Hey, everybody. This is Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, on a Tuesday, I'm joined by these fine gentlemen, Kirk Bowles, Cedric Golden. This is Longhorn Confidential. Thanks for tuning in on YouTube, listening to this on your favorite podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcast. But we're here to talk about Texas football, as we do. Texas, 4-2, and 2-1 two. Two big, tw- big 12 play. Y'all already know that. Y'all already know how Texas got to this. 49 to nothing win over Oklahoma this past weekend. Uh, Kirk, you've seen a lot of Red River showdowns. I don't think you've ever seen a game like this said, too. I think you said this was maybe 25 for you. I think this is 10 for me. We're especially lately used to seeing Texas kind of on the losing end of some close games some heartbreaking games. But this was a blow. This was a route. This was a romp. I guess the question for both you and Kirk, you can go first. Is Texas 49 to nothing good? Is Oklahoma 49 to nothing bad? Or is this a combination of both? And uh, Saturday was just a, a crazy day. Well, both were true on Saturday at the Cotton Bowl, as, as we saw it before our very eyes. This truly may be the worst Oklahoma team I've ever seen. Uh, even the bad ones used to, you're used to them scoring because they always have some offensive talent. And it just amazed me how Brent Venables and Jeff Levy, their OC, just completely abandoned the passing game and just, we are all in on the Wildcat. And Wildcat is not meant to be a staple or a base offense. And, it just didn't work. And, you know, you could see the interception on the pop pass by Jade Barron coming a mile away. You knew they were going to do that. But the fact that they didn't trust their backup quarterback or, or their five backup quarterbacks, if you will, enough to throw the ball and have a semblance of a passing threat beyond me. I mean, Texas had 36 first downs. Oklahoma had 11. I don't, I don't remember the 11. I'm surprised they had that many. It was the most – lopsided margin in OU football history against any team. So it was monumentally uh, bad by Oklahoma. But Texas, you know, I believe in them. They're playing solid. They're playing with confidence. And, you know, they didn't throw pass in the fourth quarter. Got the ball 15 plays and ran them all 15. Hudson Card never threw a pass. So, you know, we all know it could have been a lot worse. So it, it just was a picture of extremes. Bert Arbman's got to make that field goal, get the 50-burger. <laughs> Never scored a 50-burger against the Sooners. That was their They're team. not complaining. A 49-nothing whitewashing man. Uh, OU's histor- historically bad. That's and, and the thing, if I'm a Sooner fan, that would bother me more than anything is that Brent Venables conceded that, that he wasn't going to throw the football. You're not going to beat – anybody running the wildcat not at this level not at this level and so the fact that they just didn't even try and you can and you can hurt texas with crossing routes i i want the texas tech game is proof of that you can hurt them with crossing routes you can make those those linebackers try and cover people in space they even try they even try and so uh as far as the horns go uh that that was a that was a seminal moment in the Sarkeesian era. That's a turning point. Now, can they take that act on the road where it's not 50-50 split in the stands? Can they take that act to Stillwater? Can they take that act to the Little Apple? Can they take that act to Lawrence, which is no longer a, a, a pleasure trip? That's a business trip now. That remains to be seen. But on that afternoon, they showed what they are capable of in all three areas. Offense, defense, special teams, they were excellent in each. But Bert Auburn, you got to make that kick. 
I think Bert's made enough big kicks. Big <laughs> kicks eight no, in a row. No need to hold that one against him. But uh, as you said, I mean, this Oklahoma team was not the Oklahoma teams we've seen in the past. Um, I'll leave it to the historians to say how bad it is or our friends at the Oklahoman. But still, Texas still shut this team out. And, you know, the first time since 1965 that's happened, this is probably the first shutout of significance for this Texas defense in probably about three decades. Um, I think I went back to 1991 to find one because, you know, even a bad team, you know, at like a ULM or uh, Kansas before Kansas was this year's Kansas team can still sneak in a touchdown or two, whether it's against the scrubs or, you know, a turnover happens, they have good field positions, but Texas did not allow that. Even when their second and third stringers were in late in the game, they were still refusing to give up first downs, refusing to give up um, any points. So a shout out's really impressive for this Texas defense. And, that's just kind of the theme of the season on, de- on, on the defensive side of the football. Um, only Texas Tech has scored more than 20 points against this Texas defense, and they've faced some good offenses, whether it's Alabama, whether it's Tech, obviously, which got 37, whether it's West Virginia, whether what we thought Oklahoma was. Um, UTSA, veteran quarterback, a good offense there, too. So overall, um, Texas is allowing 17.8 points a game. That's a top 25 scoring defense right now. What is working on this Texas defense? Because that is clearly not what we expected when we went into this season. We expected maybe another year of struggles um, under PK. Um, you know, we expected a hot, a hot seat, but we did not expect the defense to be as strong as it is in complementing what has been a good a good offense. Getting some bending on break, Danny. You're getting some bending on break. They may give up. They're giving up some yards, but they're not giving up points. They, they, they are getting off the field. They couldn't get off the field in Lubbock, and they lost. But here lately, they're getting off the field. They're putting enough pressure on the quarterbacks. They're holding up on the back end, which was a concern early. And, and so when those things start to come together, uh, I know that Alabama was a loss, but the fact that they got after Bryce Young like they did and limited the big plays, I know um, – Gibbs kid had a big long touchdown catch, but besides that, they've been really good outside of Lubbock. And so, I, th- I think getting off the field, bending on break, being being another year in the system under PK, the Gary Patterson effect that a lot of people don't want to talk about, but a couple of Ov uh, Gofu was very complimentary of of GP. Uh, I just think all of those things are in the mix have gone into what's been a successful defense so far. Well, and they're getting to the quarterback. You know, they got eight sacks the last three games. That's uh, a lot. What did they have, 20 last year? And they, I think they have maybe 14 already. So they're they're getting to the quarterback, and they're not doing with one guy, fellas. It's just there's not one dynamic, oh, my God, they've got a Will Anderson on that defensive front. They're all bringing pressure. I mean – Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Baron Sorrell, I mean, Morrow, Ovi, just kind of go down the list. And they're not blitzing that much. Uh, I really like this secondary. I mean, they, they finally got a couple more takeaways. They have four now. But uh, on the year, their turnover margin is zero, if I'm not mistaken. So that's pretty good stat for a four and two team. And I think they're only going to get better. I mean, Anthony Cook's having a – a heck of a year, Jaron Thompson. Wow, look what he's doing. Jade Barron's got two picks, six or two interceptions already. Same as Deshaun Jameson, you know. And I was kidding Jade. I said, 
did you get on Deshaun? He said, yeah, I mean, can you let me have some glory here? You know, he had to. Why are you trying to keep up with me? I like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. That was pretty funny. But, boy, they have confidence, and they're tackling really well. Don't you think, guys? I mean, you don't. You, you don't see many plays where running back slips out of two tackles and there he goes for 36 yards. I'm so the tackling you, has really improved. I'm going to tell you, when you know it's the Wildcat, it's amazing how better, how much better he are. <laughs> sure. You know it's just going to be a run play. Yeah, what do you think the secret um, is, Danny? You know, we had this argument, I think, earlier this season where we were talking about Gary and how much credit Gary deserves um, for this turnaround. But I think part of it's just these are older more mature yeah. players, and this is the second right. system. I think Obi said it best yesterday when someone asked him about that um, at the Monday press availability is talking about there's less teaching um, because they've been in the system for a year. They kind of know how it works. I think, you know, Pete wouldn't have got this job if he wasn't a good coach, if there wasn't a good coach somewhere in there. And so I think you just give him a year. Obviously, you know, Gary probably um, helps a little bit, and these players are just more mature. I mean, you have five-year guys in there, you know, the, you know, Deshaun, you know, Deshaun Jamison, DeMarvin Overshawn, those guys are Ovi. Those are older, more mature Keandre Cooper and Moro. Those are older guys who, um, right. you know, know this is it and um, have, have played a lot of football in their life. They're not relying on a lot of young guys, even like a guy like Jalen Ford is a third year linebacker. So this is a more mature group, um, probably a prideful group that knows that they gave up 57 points to Kansas last year. And, um, want to turn this around. So I just think that's probably just a combination of just another year in the system, some mature, talented players who are, you know, knowing this is kind of their last ride and, you know, they're just playing obviously very, very well and getting schemed up pretty good. Um, you know, it's just a, I guess a check all the, all the boxes, all of the above. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just working out for this. Um, didn't, didn't Sark mention Patterson Monday guys. I thought he kind of said Gary's name in there about scheming up and first, he just, first time. First I'm time. just surprised he hadn't given more credit to coach quit. You know, he, he rarely mentions him. So but once again, know. You know, I said this before, like, I believe, Steve was asked about Gary. I think um, there was a okay. direct question about Gary. Okay. Um, Steve has a tendency not to give his players or his um, coaches shout outs until right. he's specifically asked because it's a we, not me kind of mentality. So, you know, if we want to ask about Pete, you know, I think that's partly on us to make sure that we ask about mm-hmm. Pete, ask about Jeff Choate, ask about Terry Joseph. We want to ask specific questions about um, coaches. Right. He was asked about Gary um, in a loose. It was like a how's the defense going? How's Gary um, con- contributing to this uh, yeah. this defense? And I think okay. that's how that answer came about. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, who was it? Jade Barron. Who had the great quote about being so loud on the plane? Said I think you mentioned that in your Nuggets that Coach Terry Joseph said, "Hey, quiet down a little bit down back there." Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's, you just shut out Oklahoma. I'm going to tell you that's. Best kind of noise. Can you imagine that flight back? Yeah. They've been waiting on a game like that, man. Mm-hmm. And, and good for them. They put in the work. And uh, I always, you know, I'm, I like music. So I always put it like, you don't believe a blues singer that's never been through anything. The Horns have been through it, man. They've been through mm-hmm. it. They've, they, they've endured six-game losing streaks, national ridicule after losing to Kansas. And they can't beat OU. And all of a sudden, this one win could hit a, could light a switch for them. 
It could. I don't know that it, it looks will. real. We'll see. It looks real. It looks real, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see in we'll we'll see this weekend against Iowa State. We'll uh, see in Stillwater. We'll see in Lawrence. We'll see in the Little Apple. Their tests coming up. They're not going to just roll over because they beat a bad Oklahoma team. Uh, but it does make the Big 12 a whole lot more interesting this season. All right, let's talk about offense. Um, we are through six games of this season. Um, obviously, if Texas is four and two, do the math, that's six games. Um, since we're at the halfway point, let's talk offensive MVP. Uh, if you were to pick one um, offensive MVP for this team, you know, there's obvious candidates like, you know, B. John Robinson, who's just been incredible throughout the season. There may be stealth candidates like uh, Jake Majors being the center or Quinn Ewers, who has missed time, but has this offense has looked really good when he's uh, been back there, whether it's the Oklahoma game or obviously that first quarter of the Alabama game. So, said we'll start with you. Who's your offensive MVP on this on this Texas team? Uh, it's got to be B. John Robinson because – what he does is he takes a lot of pressure off these quarterbacks, off these linemen, uh, because he's just he's just so consistent. He can catch the ball. Uh, he's been a bigger presence in the locker room that can't go overlooked. And he's quietly putting together a great season. He, he's probably he's going to end up with another 12, 1,300 yards. And – He's doing it in an unassuming fashion. Uh, you hasn't let the money go to his head because he's got plenty of it. And um, I, I just think he's a he's the prototypical team leader who doesn't who doesn't let the off the field riches or whatever he's got affect what's happening on Saturday afternoon. I think he's an easy choice for MVP of the offense. And and he's like the most humble superstar. You know, Ivan Melendez was, you know, almost devoid of ego last year when we watched him slug all those home runs in the spring. But, you know, and I kid, I kidded Bijan yesterday about, you know, where's your Heisman campaign, you know? And uh, he is so unassuming and so humble. And he mentioned how he got hurt in last year's game against the Cyclones and fumbled a couple of times. said, I'm going to go rewatch the tape. Well, that's well, when your best player on the team is saying stuff like that kind of calling out himself and he's probably never going to get over that fumble in overtime against Texas tech. I mean, he's, he's just what you would want in kind of the face of the team and kind of the guts of the team. Uh, by the time the season's over, maybe it'll be Quinn Ewers because he's coming on like a house of fire and boy, one big shout out to Kelvin banks that left tackle. I mean, this freshman, I don't really call him kid. He's a young adult, young man is what he is, but we just haven't noticed him, <clears throat> you know, unless you just kind of follow him on your binoculars. You don't really follow him play by play. But the fact that he's keeping the pocket cleaner this year than uh, they had problems doing that last year is just, boy, it, boy, it's nice seeing his feistiness against Oklahoma too. So he's not a guy you want to mess with. So uh, Xavier Worthy hadn't quite got untracked yet, but uh, I'd, I'd go in on Bijan all day long. Who you got, Danny? Yeah, this is probably akin to a participation trophy, but um, I think Hudson Card deserves a little love um, for the way he played because he did his job. Um, this offense is not – this offense is Quinn Ewers' offense, and Quinn Ewers is, was the clear choice to be the starting quarterback. But when you have a starting quarterback go down, as Quinn did, this team could have completely unraveled, and Hudson came in. 
you know, played well against Alabama, obviously led them to wins over a good UTSA team and a um, up, you know, West Virginia team that was really hungry for an upset. And, you know, Texas scored 34 in Lubbock. That was not uh, Hudson's fault that they lost that game. So I think Hudson came in, did his job, um, kind of steered and steadied the ship and made sure that, um, you know, this thing didn't completely unravel. And I think that deserves to be recognized. Obviously, this is Bijan's, uh, you know, award to lose and Quinn Ewers. This is going to be his offense going forward and deservedly so, but I don't think Hudson Card's contribution should be lost um, in the, in the mix as we, you know, look, look ahead to the rest of the season and um, start preparing for what should be an exciting um, run with number three um, directing the ship and number five uh, getting a lot of carries, but there's a lot of guys in this offense who deserve some love, whether that's Jordan Whittington, we're waiting for Xavier Worthy to, you know, be, I guess, a little bit more consistent. Jatavian Sanders has been an incredible yeah. find at the tight end position. Amazing. Um, you know, this offensive line for the most part has played, played pretty well. Um, and that was a big question mark going into the season. So you, know, you probably pick 15 guys and have an argument, but um, number five is the clear choice. But I think uh, Hudson Card um, deserves at least uh, some recognition and um, for, for his contributions um, during a time when things could have gone south very quickly for this Texas team. Uh, let's go to the Iowa State game um, this weekend, 11 o'clock kick on ABC. If you're watching it at home um, at the stadium, get there by you know 10 o'clock whenever. Enjoy some Bevo Boulevard before you head into the stadium. This Iowa State team is 3-3. Three and three. Uh, 0-3 in Big 12 play, which is a little bit surprising, but those three losses have all been very, very close calls to some good, uh, good, a big, good, good Baylor team, a good Kansas team, a good Kansas State team. So we don't really know what to think about the Cyclones. We do know they have won three straight in this series, um, including uh, last year 30 to seven in Ames. Uh, absolute domination after halftime by the Cyclones. So uh, is this a trap game for Texas? Or can Texas even have trap games, um, considering what the Big 12 Conference is and kind of Texas is uh, how they're trying to get over their the stumbles they had last season? It's a good conference. I mean, there's not really a bad team in the conference unless you consider Oklahoma. And, and Oklahoma might be the worst team in the league. So, yeah, I don't think uh, Texas is going to forget what happened at Ames last year. That was – I don't know if that wasn't the low point, you know, maybe it was losing at home to Kansas, but uh, as I forget who told us that yesterday, but we, we had a lot of low moments. We had a lot of moments like that. So, you know, I just don't think I was taking muster enough offense to be a real strong, credible, dangerous threat. Yeah. I guess in a way they're all trap games when you're, you're coming off five and seven. Now you're ranked for the second time this year and you're kind of, you just crush your arch rival. Uh, Hunter Decker's a quarterback. I mean, he's got eleven touchdowns and six interceptions already. So, and they and they can't, haven't been very effective running the ball, but they do have a damn good defense. So, it to me, it's one of those games, guys, where it's going to be a real competitive first half at least, and then maybe Texas kind of wears them down at the end and starts putting up some points. I just don't think they can muster up enough offense. They've struggled mightily to score points. And um, even if they do have the best rush defense in the league, uh, Texas is going to get their – they're going to get enough rushing yards to set up Quinn Ewers and those good receivers to make some plays downfield. It feels feels like, uh, uh, to me, uh, a 31-10 to type game. Um, I I don't think they're afraid of Iowa State. Um, if they, as long as they take care of the ball, which is something they've been doing lately, 
they take care of the ball and get one or two takeaways. It should it should be one way traffic. Um, I don't I don't think that they're in the mental place right now where they can be trapped because they know uh, that that they they just aren't good enough to just show up and get a win. Uh, the leadership is good in that locker room. I love what I'm hearing from people like Bijan Robinson and Snacks and and Ov and uh, Deshaun Jameson. Those guys have been through the wars and they don't want this thing to ever be like it was last year. So they got a little bite of that apple. And um, I don't think they're going to let Iowa State mess up the mix. They need they need to take care of business. And then then we can really hone in on a real fun uh, trip to Stillwater after that. Yeah, I think Texas wins this game, although it will. I think Roshan Johnson described it as fun. And I think it will be fun to see this Texas run game face this Iowa State defense, uh, see you know, a battle between a guy like Will, Will McDonald, uh, the fourth on Iowa State's defensive line against some of these linemen. Uh, you know, we saw Kelvin Banks mixing it up in the Oklahoma nice. game against uh, a very courageous Oklahoma defensive back who decided that Kelvin Banks was a guy he wanted to – to go after, I, I'd like to see uh, a little bit of a matchup that's more, I guess, uh, uh, good on both sides with a with, friendly with Will versus Kelvin. That'll be that'll be fun to watch. Um, but I think in the end, Texas is just a more talented team. Um, Iowa State's going through a transition after having a lot of solid play from Brock Purdy over the year, and you know, Brees Hall is doing his thing in the NFL now. And so this Iowa State team is kind of transitioning. They do have you know, some skill players at the wide receiver position. So Texas is going to, you know, be tested um, in, in the passing game. But I just think overall this Texas team is just more talented. And, you know, but that's happened in the past. There's been some talented Texas teams that have been beaten by the Cyclones. But I don't think that's going to be the case uh, this week. But we shall see because this Texas team always keeps it keeps it interesting. Although the past couple of weeks they have, um, you know, they've covered and have uh, kind of won, won comfortably. So we'll see if that trend also continues. I'm not sure what the exact line is for this for this game, but we'll see if um, we'll see if Texas can cover. But uh, that's going to that's going to do it for us. We're going to get out of here. Um, you know, on Thursday, Kirk and said they're going to drop their on second thought podcast. Uh, do you guys have a tease? I know you guys were working on getting the guest. Uh, you guys want to tease anything for us, uh, or do the people just have to tune in to find out? Show up and figure out what we got going because it's always fun. That's what I like. Keep keep the people keep the people guessing and uh, so <laughs> yeah. Tune into Thursday for that. Obviously, throughout the week we'll have plenty of content on statesman.com to get you ready for the Iowa State game um, on Saturday at eleven o'clock. And after that game finishes, um, tune back into statesman.com and we'll have plenty of content to wrap up wrap up the game and get um, y'all ready for next week. We'll be back next Tuesday to talk all things Oklahoma State, Texas. And we appreciate you tuning in, whether it's on YouTube, podcasts, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll see y'all down the road.